Siata Dishmaya, Hashem will let us help have clarity in these beautiful teachings of the Ramchal. So now let's get started. And so uh, we're on to our next discussion between the rabbi and the student. And so now let's continue. So the rabbi says now that in order to answer you properly, we must first clarify the nature of man's existence in this world and the task he has to fulfill. And we also need to know the purpose behind all of this. So here, during this section, we're going to see that the nature of man's existence in this world is that God made him imperfect and incomplete by distancing him from his presence. And we're going to see that the task he has to fulfill is to perfect himself and the entire world. We'll also see that the purpose behind all of this is in order to bestow the ultimate good by allowing man to earn his own reward. And this way, he's not embarrassed to receive the divine good, as is a poor person receiving charity. So these fundamental concepts about the purpose of creation is going to give us a basic framework within which we can begin to answer the students' questions about divine justice. And so as we continue, I just want to let you know that what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue the discussion, of course, in this format, because that's what the Ramhaus chose and the rabbi and student. But when I want to add something in, such as denote one of the notes that the Ramhaus brings down, then I'm going to say note. Okay. And when I say note, I'm adding to to what the rabbi or what the student or I'm highlighting or I'm elucidating further what the rabbi and what the student is saying. Okay, so that you're aware of that. So now let's move to the student. The student says, this is something that will certainly require a great deal of study before it can be understood properly in all its details. The rabbi says, the major principle upon which everything is based is the following. God wants man to perfect himself and everything was that was created for him. And this, this gives him merit and also creates his reward. It gives him merit because now he must struggle to attain this perfection. And when he does attain it, he will be enjoying the fruits of his own labors. What he achieves will be the, resort, the result of his own hard work. It also creates his reward because in the end, he will be perfected, allowing him to bask in God's goodness for all eternity. So note, here's a note. It creates his reward because when he manages to perfect himself, the perfection he receives is going to allow him to draw close to God, which is the ultimate good. So this level of perfection that a person attains for himself is even higher than that of the angels because the angels' perfection is given to them externally while man earns his own perfection. So man's reward thus will be a direct result of having been created imperfect with the task of perfecting himself. So the task of perfecting himself is also the source of this merit. And so since now the reward will, he will receive will not be an undeserved gift, but it's going to be a result of his own hard work, the fruit of his own labors, and he will have merited basically his own reward. So now the student responds, this principle contains many different concepts. I'm waiting to hear everything that you will base it on. Only then will I understand it properly. In the meantime, there is one general question I would like to ask. Why did God want to arrange things in this particular way? So Rabbi responds, the answer is simple, but it depends on the answer to another question. Namely, 
Why did God want to create beings? The student says, tell me something that will answer both your question and my question. The rabbi says, what our limited understanding can grasp is that God is certainly the ultimate good. Furthermore, it is the nature of good to bestow good on others. So God, therefore, desired to create beings in order to bestow good upon them. After all, if there's no one to receive good, there can be no bestowal of good. However, in order for this bestowal of good to be complete, God's wisdom decreed that we should attain this good through our own efforts. And in this way, this good would be rightfully ours. We won't feel embarrassed to receive it, like a poor person receiving charity from someone else. And this is what the sages meant when they said, one who eats something, someone else's food is embarrassed to look that person in the face. And here's a note. It's not relevant to ask why God did not simply create us without this feeling of embarrassment. This feeling of embarrassment is not the cause of the problem. It's merely a symptom. It's an expression of the fact that there can be no closeness or equality between the two parties because one is a giver and the other is a taker. So later on in these in, in this in, in, in this these lessons and this this the safer, the Ram Hal is going to teach us that the fact that man has to earn his good by perfecting the world makes us God's partner with regard to the created world, and we too are contributing something valuable. So we therefore have a special relationship with God that no other creature can have, like the most important servant of the king who has unique access to the king's private chamber. And the only one who takes is far from the king. So he's too embarrassed to look him in the face. So then the student replies, your explanation makes perfect sense to me. Now please finish what you have to say. So here, note that the student interrupted the rabbi to ask a particular question. He now asked him to return to the major principle that was being discussed before. The rabbi then responds, what, will, what we explained requires us to examine a fundamental issue, imperfection and its correction. We now need to know, number one, what imperfection is and what it brings about in the world. Number two, the corrected state of the world through which it can become perfected. And number three, how the process of correction should be brought about and what its practical effects are. So the student says, it seems to me that we should attempt to gain an understanding of the perfected state that a person attains when he finishes his divinely appointed task in this world and rests from all his efforts. Then working back from that, we should be able to define the three things you mentioned. And the reason for this is obvious and clear. What a person attains in the end is what was lacking from him originally. Since it was lacking from him, he must strive to attain it. So here, there's a note, says that when we understand the perfected state that man will eventually attain, that we will know that anything that is presently lacking from that perfected state must be the definition of imperfection and deficiency. And it will also be clear that anything that helps us to remove these deficiencies is what we must strive for in order to achieve the process of correction. So now the rabbi says, what you say is correct. However, presently we can only gain a very general understanding of the perfection that man will attain without knowing any of its details. Nevertheless, even from this general understanding of perfection, 
we can work back and figure out all the details of what is presently imperfect. And after all, every imperfection is simply an absence of that future perfection. Here's a note. At present, because of our limited and physical existence, we can only understand the future perfection that we will attain in the world to come in very general terms. We can't understand any of the details of what this experience will entail. And nevertheless, from our general definition of this perfection, which we will define as the state of intimate attachment to, to God, we're going to be able to understand even the details of what's presently imperfect. So anything that distances us from this perfection can be identified as an element of imperfection. So therefore, although we can only define the future perfection in a very general way, we can come to a detailed recognition of everything that is perfect. So the student responds, Tell me what you have to say about that perfection. Rabbi says, the definition of this perfection is clear from the verses in the written Torah, as well as dictated by logic. Namely, that a person should have an intimate attachment to God's holiness and bask in an experience of his glory without anything holding him back, separating him from it or getting in the way. And this is illustrated by the following verses. Then you will delight in being close to God in Yeshayahu and then the righteous will sit before your presence we see in Tehillim the full experience of happiness is being in your presence in Tehillim so there are many other examples of this throughout the prophets and the writings and there are there for anyone to see just look through God's words and read them our sages have also told us the same idea in the world to come there is no eating or drinking rather the righteous sit with their spiritual crowns on their heads, basking in the radiance of the divine presence. And this definition of perfection is also dictated by logic. The source of the soul is God himself, and therefore its only desire is to return to its divine source, to cleave to it, and to perceive it, just as every generated thing desires to return to its origin. The soul can find no peace until it achieves this. However, it's impossible for us to understand the true nature of this attachment and experience of God as long as we are limited by the imperfections of our physical existence. And nevertheless, the general definition of perfection we have given, we can define exactly what our deficiencies are. Since we know that perfection is attachment to God, it follows that imperfection is anything that involves a distancing from this attachment and anything that comes between us and God. And until these barriers are removed, we cannot properly attach ourselves to him. And these are the deficiencies that we must strive to remove from ourselves in order to acquire the perfection that we've mentioned. And at this point, however, I need to explain to you another fundamental principle. The student says, what is that? The rabbi responds, God could easily have created man and the world totally perfect. In fact, since God is totally perfect, one would have expected him to create a world that's totally perfect. However, since God's wisdom decreed that man should perfect himself, he created the world and its inhabitants lacking perfection. It is as if God held back his attributes of perfection and absolute good so as not to create them according to his true greatness. Instead, he created them with those characteristics of ne necessary for fulfilling the ultimate purpose that his awesome wisdom decreed. Involved in this is another idea. Our sages taught us that the divine name, uh, Shaddai, indicates that God said to the world, Enough! 
Sha means that in Hebrew and Dai means enough. And this means that when the heavens were expanding outward at the beginning of creation, God ordered them to stop as it's written in the Midrash. So what the sages are telling us is that God could have created far more than he actually did. And he could have made what he created much greater than he did. And in fact, he wanted to create the universe according to his own level. It would have been limitless, just as he and his powers are limitless. And instead, he created it according to its own level, namely with the stature and characteristics necessary for its purpose. We can therefore see that God held back, as it were, his great and limitless power, so that it should not act with the creation according to its own infinite essence. Instead, he made his power act according to the limited nature of the beings it needed to create. The student says, what you say must be true, since we know that God is absolutely omnipotent and it's impossible to ascribe any limit or measure to his power. Yet we see that God's creations have specific measures and limits. So therefore, we must say that God created does not reflect his infinite power, God forbid. Rather, it reflects what he desired to create. And the rabbi responds, so before we move on to another very important principle, let me sum up what we have just said. God himself held himself back, as it were. And by this we mean that when he created the universe and its inhabitants, he held back his power in order not to make them according to his own infinite strength. Rather, he made them according to the level suitable for their intended purpose. And furthermore, he made them incomplete in order that they should perfect themselves. So the perfection they attain will be their reward in the world to come and the merit of all the effort they made to achieve it. And all this is because God wanted to give the greatest amount of good to his creations. And so here we're going to now give a summary and here in the summary is the first thing is what we need to know in order to perfect our faith and so here the summary is that the student finds it difficult to understand properly some of the basic principles of the jewish faith and although he has no doubt that they are true they are god's direction of everything that happens in the world and the reward and punishment of the wicked and the righteous and the coming of mashiach and the res resurrection of the dead so the contradictory events of world history often seem unjust and prevent the student from understanding how divine justice works and how God guides the world. And the rabbi tells him that it's not a simple matter to understand these things properly. The student answers that he will be satisfied with a general understanding of the basic principles. And so the second is that since God is the ultimate good, he wanted to bestow the greatest possible good on man and therefore he created him imperfect with the task of perfecting himself and the world. And in this way, he would not be embarrassed to receive his reward since he would be able to earn it, earn it for himself. And in order to understand what this involves, we must know that what perfection is and what imperfection is. And perfection is defined as closeness to God. And imperfection is defined as anything that distances us from him. So in order to bring about a world of imperfection, God held back his infinite and perfect essence. And this way, he created our limited and infinite world. And I want to just bring out... Uh, uh, um, something here, a summary about 
about God's oneness that's brought down by the Ramahal. So the general, the central factor around which the entire existence revolves is the revelation of God's oneness. The entire process of world history and everything that happens within it, it's leading to the eventual revelation of his oneness. God's oneness means not only that there is only one God and that his is the only essential existence, but also that there is absolutely no power in the world except his. Nothing can oppose him or go against his will. And as we learn, the purpose of creation is to bestow good upon man by giving him the task of perfecting an imperfect world of good and evil. And that means, the means God choose, chose for bringing this about was that he made all existence dependent on the process of the revelation of his oneness. And we're going to now explain this. The revelation of God's oneness requires the temporary existence of evil and its eventual destruction. In order to define and grasp God's absolute oneness, we need to see that there's an absolute that there's, there is absolutely nothing that can go against His will, and there is no power in the world except His. And this involves the creation of evil and the realization that it has no power of its own and no independent existence whatsoever. The ultimate revelation of God's oneness requires that evil is eventually completely destroyed, thus demonstrating indisputably that there is no power but His. The revelation of His oneness therefore requires two phases. The first is when evil exists temporarily and is allowed to have influence. And the second, when evil is completely destroyed, leaving behind a world of total good. Phase one corresponds to the 6,000 years of world history when man's task is to fight evil and earn merit. And phase two corresponds to the eternal reward, eternal world of reward. So Adam, Arishon, could have brought about the revelation of God's oneness through his own merit by recognizing that anything that contradicts God's will is false and evil. But instead he sinned and disobeyed God's word, thus denying his oneness. So now man would have to experience the full force of evil during the 6,000 years of history. So when God finally destroys evil at the time of the redemption, it should be like soon now, that man will see that evil has no power at all. He will then experience the absolute reality of God's oneness and God's perfection. Baruch Adonai Leolam, Amen ve Amen.